Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Today we are talking about the 13th episode of the second season, The Future Job. I have been anxiously awaiting to talk to you about this one. (laughs) I see why. (laughs) Beth, what did you think? Okay. I'm... There are a couple of things that I really want to start with, okay. and I can't decide which one I want mm-hmm. to start with the most. They're yeah. both silly. Okay, perfect. Let's... Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think... Okay, first of all, there's a Bethany yes. in this episode. Bethany Noble. That is a motherfucking vibe. We don't. I don't see many Bethany's no. in media. No. Like, but ever. What a fantastic, like, character. Yes. Like, I also think, in another life... I could see you wearing yeah. a blue fish jacket, not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> I literally, I was, my first note was like, I love this outfit that she's wearing. Mm-hmm. And then she introduced herself as Bethany and I was like, oh, this is a ho-. It's really trippy because I don't see it very much. Yeah. I don't, have never met many Bethany's. I only know a handful across yeah. my entire life. And like the life. last Bethany we got to discuss on the podcast was literally like a 12 year old child who got called monkey puss. Like, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> now you get like. This- that, that wasn't podcast. even this podcast. It was the <laughs> last Bethany that we got to discuss on a podcast. Not this podcast, on a podcast. That you have to know the law of Beth and Jamie to understand that <laughs> reference. But anyway, so I was like, that's a motherfucking vibe. Mm-hmm. But it is very trippy because every time they said my name, I was like, what? Um, and it does kind of pull me yeah. out. So rip to anyone who's named something like Chris or Steve or Dave, because I'm sure it happens to you all yeah. the time. The other thing... That is just silly. Mm-hmm. It's just silly and did make me giggle. This is a supernatural thing, so okay. I am sorry. Uh, but the Etu Brute <laughs> did make me laugh. I realise it's entirely unrelated. It's not even it really funny. supernatural. It's like... That's the divorce. It's like the divorce, which is like supernatural lore. Season 17. But it's like, The yeah. internet seasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not even talking about actual supernatural here. We're talking about the internet seasons, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. Anyway, so I did just straight off the bat get those two silly little things out of the way. And then obviously the most important thing to talk about this episode, mm-hmm. in my humble opinion, is Parker. Yes. But also another Beth, her actress, Beth Risecraft. Did yeah. I remember that yeah. correctly? Amazing. Um, her performance. Yes. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Fucking, she deserves all of the accolades. She was killing it. Like, the fucking scene where he's doing the cold read of yeah. her in the audience. I, what is amazing about this is that I knew exactly what was happening without the whole, like, explanation they do where they break down her facial yeah. expressions. I was like, oh, she is so fucking good. Because not only is she, she is acting as Parker, obviously, but she is also subtly but not quite subtly enough that it's not perceptible mm. doing those tells. Like, I was picking up on the tells. I didn't catch all of them. No. That they then, like, picked but out. But they do. But I picked out enough of them to be like, okay, I can see how he's doing this, mm-hmm. but I also see how she doesn't get that he's doing this. And so then when they do the breakdown and they point out a whole bunch more of her tells that I didn't even pick up on, I was like, my God, this actress is so good. Like, she's just... Phenomenal because, like, yeah, like you can see some of them, mm-hmm. but you don't notice all of them. And then, like, when they point them out, you're like, my God, she's good because, like, the layers here. Yes. The, because it's not like, it's not like she's just acting as a cat. Like, she is so specifically doing these exact tells at these exact moments, but they feel in character. It doesn't feel like she is 
specifically do it. It's like it's choreographed. Yeah. Her face is fucking choreographed. She knows exactly what tells she needs to do for each piece of information yeah. so that the scene later on makes sense. Uh-huh. But she's doing them subtly enough that they're not, like, they're not pulling you out of the scene. It's yeah. not like, oh, There's well, she's no clearly, like... There's no dramatization It's, oh, it's be... Like, it's just... It's that perfect balance between obvious enough that if you are specifically looking for them, you see them, yeah. and not obvious enough that, like, if you're just watching without being critical, like, doing analysis, like, mm-hmm. or, like, actually specifically looking for it, yeah. you, she just looks like a person who Reacting is going through this, this emotional... Yeah. And this is the thing. This is why it's so good, because it is such a fantastic example of exactly how these things work, exactly how these scams are run. Like, and... Sorry, I'm just going on no, an absolute go, tangent. Go but I'm this, loving this. This particular villain. Yes. Now, obviously, the point of leverage is that, like, they show you this shitty person who is taking advantage of, like, normal people who don't know any better or, like, whatever, and they tear them down a peg yes. or they, you know, destroy their entire lives. One of the two. Yeah. Depending this, on how shitty they are. This guy in particular... Absolutely. Like, I, my literal second note of the episode is, what a piece of shit. Because it is immediately apparent what he is doing. He is playing on people who are in the most vulnerable positions of potentially their entire lives. People who are amidst grief. People who are so desperate or lonely or scared or any of those things. And all they want is some validation. All they want is like a little shred of something that feels like something they can hold on to from either someone they've lost or to help get them through whatever time they're in, a little shred of hope or something just to make them not feel so alone in this huge vastness that is life and the universe. And like, he is preying on that. And he's not only preying on that, like, just for kicks. He's not just saying this shit for, for like a power trip. He is stripping them of their life savings, of their homes. of Like, he's running fucking credit checks. Which, by the way, how the fuck was he doing that? I'm still not sure. But, I mean, you can do it. I mean, yeah, but it feels like it should be yeah. harder. <laughs> it feels like, unless you've got someone like Hardison running the background, it feels like it should be harder to get someone's credit score information. But something about this villain and the way that he was preying on this particular subset of people and the way that he was convincing them that he was their lifeline and then like while in the same moment pulling the rug from under their feet like fuck you like at least and this is like a weird caveat but like at least some of the other villains that we have had across this series have been like upfront about the fact that they're fucking people over or like they don't actually personally interface with the people they're fucking over but this guy this guy looks at these people in their face he sees their vulnerability and he in his mind is going fuck yeah score this one this one i can get another five sessions out of before she you know before she bots yeah i also just want to um real quickly for the people who've actually seen the show take what beth just said and also apply it to the villain of 407 Oh, I'm looking forward to 407. Whatever 407 that is. is one that I am very excited for you to see. Yeah. But for those who know, you know, okay, while I'm really quickly saying stuff that you don't understand, I might as well get it. No, no, go ahead. You just let me absolutely monologue at you. So please take back control of the podcast for a moment. I'll steal it back in a sec. Oh, I just want to really quickly point out because they're going to be significant later on. Um, but Beth can't know why they're significant later on. Ooh, spicy. Specifically, 
the way they make fun of the way the van smells. Oh my god, yeah. I wanted to point this out. Everyone is so mean to Hardison's van. Yeah. This is like the third or fourth time I want to say that people are mean to Hardison's van. That poor boy, he just washed the whole fucking thing. You can eat off those floors. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I bet it doesn't smell any funkier than those damn fucking floor-to-ceiling carpeted vans with the fucking talking giraffe they used to put us into at school. It cannot be <laughs> any... Harold. It can't be any stinkier than Harold's van. And Harold's van was honestly fine. For any non-Australians. At, at, least, at least it doesn't <laughs> smell like cabbage like last week's van did. Yeah. And for any non-Australians who are confused by the things that I just said, have a quick Google of Healthy Harold. Yeah. Uh, and you'll know. You'll know. If you, if you know, <laughs> you know. Um, and I also just want to point out that she's not looking for the Maltese Falcon. Just going to leave that there. Interesting. Is that a reference to something? I assumed it was a reference to something. It's a, it's a reference. It's a pop culture reference. I assumed it was. I'm yeah. not very good at pop culture references. But yeah, I just want to <laughs> I want to point that one out because that is a recurring one. Yeah. Okay. It, it's gonna recur. Like okay, we'll, we'll get another reference to a Maltese Falcon down the line. So I just wanted to point out that this is the first reference that we get. Oh, okay. Is it? Can I, obviously you can't tell me spoiler stuff, yeah, but can I ask? Is it like a? The next time it's referenced, is it like an intentional throwback to this episode? Like, is it like another Parker heavy episode or something where it's like you have the same reference and it makes you think back to this one kind of thing? I couldn't tell just... you. I don't know the intentions behind it. Okay. So it and could we'll, just be random. And we'll be we'll be able to discuss it more when it does recur. Okay. But at this point, I don't want to give you any more information because it is – like, it's not just like another throwaway thing. Okay. The next so time it comes back, it's actually – intention. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to like, see if it was just like, oh, we get this mentioned twice, no. but it's kind of irrelevant. Right. That's okay. But, yeah, so I just – I wanted to point those two little things out because they will be relevant later on. You don't know why, but they, they will be. And I, I, I wanna, trust you. I, I just want to point them out because, yeah. Anyway, you wanted to steal it back once I was <laughs> finished doing that. So go right ahead. Continue on with your rant. I want one thing yes. from the rest of this series. Yep. I've just decided. And... I don't think I will get it, mm-hmm. which unfortunately does mean I will be permanently disappointed. Yeah. However, what I want is for at some point the gang to have a pet gecko named Frank. And I want him to have a little hat. It's all I want. I just want at some point to like in Nate's apartment or like in whatever, you know, wherever they end up being in like seasons from now or even in the fucking reboot. I want... A gecko. I want his name to be Frank, and in in just some sort of weird Nate coding, I just want him to have a little hat. Like in my mind, do you remember those we lizards? We don't get a gecko. Do you remember those? But we do get a turtle. The turtle's name is not Frank. Okay. But we do get a turtle. I'll accept a, an amphibian. Yeah. Another is a turtle an amphibian, or are they those other ones where it's like, <laughs> my crazy? Is a turtle an amphibian? I don't know. Lizards aren't amphibians. Wait. Reptile? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just fucking Googling this. Please don't listen to I sound like the biggest dumbass. I'm leaving all of this in. <laughs> that is a threat. Please don't. Oh, good lord. Uh, no, okay. I was thinking... I was thinking reptile, but an amphibian is the one that can live in water and on land. That's why I was like, wait, is a turtle an amphibian? Because no, I was a, thinking reptile. A turtle is a reptile. I can confirm. I just Googled oh, it. Cool Google says turtles are reptiles. Okay. Thanks, Google. All right, cool. We do get a different reptile then. My question is, does it wear a hat? No. 
well, then I'm disappointed. Because in my mind, what yeah. I'm seeing... Okay. Do you remember in 2016, for the election, the <gasps> US election, Tumblr had the lizards? Oh my god, the lizard the election. The lizard election. The liz election, if you will. That's that's what I'm seeing in my mind. Whichever one of those little dudes, I think it was maybe the orange one that had a hat. I don't know. I feel like one of them was actually named Frank as well. Oh my god, do you know what? I think you're right. Oh my god. You just unlocked, well, I guess I unlocked the memory, but <laughs> all right. Well, look, in this case, this might just be my, my little dream. If I ever write a le- leverage fan fiction, I will give them a gecko and I will name him Frank and I will make him wear a funny little hat. That's just my, that's my dream. I just feel like Parker would enjoy that. I feel like Hardison would find it kind of freaky. I feel like Elliot would warm up to it. You know that like stereotype about the dad who never wants a dog, but once they have the dog, he loves the dog more than anyone else. I feel like Sophie would just be mostly confused. And I feel like Nate would act like it wasn't wasn't there. So we're wrong. There wasn't a Frank. There were four lizards that were in the running. Uh-huh. There was Richard Tooth, mm-hmm. Deborah, uh-huh. Mop. Yeah. And Rick. That's right, because Mop won, right? Mop won. Mop yeah. won, yeah. Mop was victorious. Yes. Do any of them wear hats? All of them. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, there you go. I just want... Oh, my God. All of them. Wait. <laughs> for reference, I've just shown her a photo of the four candidates. Oh, for this is so Lizard funny. Election Tumblr 2016. Why does Deborah give me Sophie vibes? If you haven't looked up Lizard Election Tumblr 2016 recently... Do it. It's free serotonin. You might as well take it at this point. That's so funny. Anyway. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Moving right along. Um, Okay. So I already kind of mentioned Parker. Uh, We're going to talk a lot more about her this episode, I am sure. But I very briefly want to talk about Elliot and about Hardison and specifically their reactions after... Parker has had her moment and she's come back to Nate's apartment. I'm assuming we're going to get back to Parker and her reaction eventually. Absolutely. <laughs> we will do an absolute deep dive into that. Um, but I very quickly, before we do and get completely sidetracked for probably the next hour, um, I want to just touch on this bit. So, so we're doing the light stuff, like the murder threats first. Yes, yeah. exactly that. So the fact that when Parker gets up and leaves, Hardison immediately is like, he should be shot. I was like, I think that is the first threat of violence properly that we've had from Hardison. Also, Correct me if I'm wrong. I, Yeah, I think it is. Like, we've had Hardison, like, pull a gun on Elliot before. That was in the pilot. Yeah. But he's pretty swiftly disarmed by, like, a Nate-Elliot team-up thing. Yeah, and I would argue that, like... Honestly, knowing Hardison as a character, like that the pilot is the pilot. Yeah. And I kind of feel like most pilots can sort of partially it, be like disregarded in terms of characters because they don't actually 100% know who the characters are yet. And we haven't seen Hardison hold a weapon like competently at all since. No, like even in the pilot, I think you could argue that the gun is a pretty empty threat. Like, yes. I, I don't think Hardison really ever had any intention. Mm-hmm. I think it was just there because he knows what Elliot can do and he felt like that was what he needed mm-hmm. to... Yeah, but, like, not only the fact that he's threatening violence, but also the way that he says it, like, that line is... Del- like, Hardison is often the comic relief. That is that is the most serious he's ever been. Mm-hmm. That I, like... And that we've had... We have had serious moments with Hardison, yes. but the particular way that that line is delivered and credit where credit is due, like Guns. Aldous Hodge 
that delivery felt guttural. Like, mm. it felt like he believed that. Like, it wasn't like a, a flippant, like, oh my god, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. It's like a, no, that man deserves death. And I was like, holy shit. But then also Tara's reaction to hearing him say that is like, like, it's very minimal. We yeah. don't, it doesn't linger no. very long. The shot changes pretty quickly. But from memory, she does kind of look at him like she's surprised. Yeah. And, or like, she's like, oh, that's a pretty strong reaction I to have. I think she doesn't quite understand just how loyal they are to each other at this point. Because, like, and also, like, Tara's reaction in that scene is like, damn, he is good. Because, like, that's the other thing. You've got to remember that this is Parker. Like, mm-hmm. he is reading Parker. Parker, Parker miss, I think... Parker showed an emotion. I think it was even a human one. But she's not a character that is easy to read. No. So, like, Tara is almost impressed that he managed to read her. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. I think that part of the reason why Hardison is so particular about it is, yes, because of loyalty. Also, particularly, it's Hardison. And we know that there's, like, a Hardison-Parker little... Mm -hmm romance undertone yeah. thing going on it's been there for over a season at this point they've kind of cut back on it a bit yeah. in this sec- sort of second season it's a little more subtle but i would still argue still that, like the audience is aware of it yeah. right and so you know that there are probably some like more deep-seated emotions for him rooted mm-hmm. in her happiness and well-being yeah. but also if anyone is gonna know anything about parker's background yeah. and what kind of like for lack of sort of a better terminology, like skeletons she might have in her closets, it's going to be Hardison. Is the skeleton named Jimmy Choo? <laughs> Anywho, so if anyone is going to fully comprehend just how deep those words yeah. are cutting her, it's going to be Hardison. Because even though I don't think that he would have had necessarily... Actually, do you know what? I take that back. Her brother died. There is records of that. Yeah. There will be records like hospital records or at least ambulance records and like death certificates and everything he might not know the full story but he, he would probably know that she had a like a death in the family yeah early on the only reason i could imagine that he wouldn't know that would be if it was so long ago that the records aren't digitized yeah i think it's kind of 50 50 i think there's a chance that he knows and i think there's also a chance that he was also blindsided by that mm-hmm yeah, but and even if he even if he was blindsided, like he still knows more mm. about her history because of the stalk job. Yeah. Than and like he has been more personally else. involved yeah. with that part of her life than mm. anyone else. And so for him, like I think he has a deeper understanding of who Parker is, or at least what her experiences have been. Because she has been so flippant with everyone else. And he is the only one up until this moment that has really gotten to see her be that vulnerable because really the only other conversation that she's had where she's got to this point was in the stalk job. Yeah. And Hardison was the only one there. And I, like my read of his character is that he wasn't going to share that information with anyone. That was a conversation between the two of them. That shit wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't relevant to anyone else. Anyone else. It was something deeply personal and it wasn't the sort of thing that would impact the job. So mm. therefore, no one else needs to know. That. Exactly. She shared that in confidence. He's not going to tell the rest of the team. Look, while we are talking about Hardison in this episode, I just want to say, like, why does everyone else get the really fun jobs and he's sitting there individually <sighs> altering fortune cookies? Like, <laughs> like, Ellie gets to tow his car. Mm-hmm. Like, Parker gets the pickpocket I here. I have never seen Nate as happy as I did when he got to almost hit that guy with a car. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah. Actually, I do want to, while, still while we're on the topic of Hardison, he really got, like, this was a Parker episode. Yes. No fucking doubt about mm-hmm. it. No two-way, no question. It's a Parker jump. Mm-hmm. But, my God, did they show him off. They, like, when they're doing the taping or whatever, and yeah. so Tara is in the room, and, like, Hardison is feeding her the information, and Elliot is, like, breaking into cars and shit, which, hilarious. I love that they're all on the case, like, doing their little bits and pieces. Mwah, perfect. Chef's kiss. It was fantastic. Nate has the incredibly important job of feeding Hardison gummy yes. frogs and orange soda. I adore the lolly frogs. I think that's so fun. Um, but, yes, so <laughs> they're all just... Like, Hardison is furiously typing yeah. away. He is like, oh, God, my boy. My boy Hardison. Like, the world is resting on his shoulders at yeah. this point. And he is doing phenomenally. He really just do be doing the most. Mm-hmm. Like, and in mm-hmm. that scene, like, because you've got, you've got Parker, who's, like, pickpocketing the wallets, working out exactly who they are so that they like, so that Hardison can search them in his databases and that. And then Elliot's going out and looking at the cars and, like, working out, like, what he can tell from the cars. And then you've got sort of Nate, who's just, like, running moral support and, like... Yeah. And then you've got Tara. We need to talk about Tara. Tara is sitting in that little room getting all of this raw information from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the financial magazines in the back seat, the little breast cancer ribbon on there. She's the terrible putting care- everything She's putting together. all of the clues together. Mm-hmm. She is synthesizing it into information that could feasibly be coming from ghosts. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's just this episode was so intricate like it was crazy i had a note actually i was like i know that they this is not the first time that they've gaslit the mark mm-hmm. but by god the gaslighting in this episode yeah. is something fucking else like you were saying like the fortune cookie and yeah. shit and it was so funny because like when she was doing the reading or whatever yeah. and she was saying all these things i'm like i know i know that they're gonna show me a montage yeah. i i knew it was coming and i was like trying to figure out how the fuck i was like what how is any of this Possible. Like, like how, how are you going to ins- yeah. ensure any of this happens? And then, like, watching it all unfold, I was like, you cheeky motherfucker. You, <laughs> you know? And it was so funny to me that, like, they had planned this, like, entire, his entire day. Yeah. Like, even to the point of the fucking fortune cookie. Yeah. I just, like, who does that? Like, we're extra, yeah. right? We're fucking extra. You in particular are very extra. But even you aren't going to the level of baking your own fucking fortune cookies just so that you can have the secret message inside. That like, specifically says you're the life of the party, so celebrate. Like, yeah. Like, so it ties back in. And, like, you know that the reason they even had that line in there is because they already hacked mm-hmm. his calendar and they knew that he had reservations to get Chinese for dinner. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Like, bananas. Absolutely bananas. Like, but I am glad that they did it because one of my other notes was, yes, please God, destroy him totally and publicly. He made Parker cry. I We need to cut off his arms or maybe his head. <laughs> Here's the thing. This is gonna, coming back, we talked about Harvey's yeah. response. I want to talk about Elliot's <laughs> because... I, I literally had a note and it was like, if I was Parker, I would be furious. And yes. this is after she's gotten really upset. She's come back yeah. to Nate's. She's lying on the floor, which relatable mood. Yeah. Uh, and they're going through, they're showing her the scenes and they're sort of pick, pinpointing all the bits that he would have picked up on yeah. to, to do this reading. Yeah. And, and it also just shows how he could visibly see her getting upset and he didn't stop. Yeah, exactly. He like just he was pushing her buttons because for him, it's a good thing. It's He's great television. Her, like, 
excellent. I'm going to make this woman cry on television and it's going to make me look so good. Which like, fuck you, man. Anyway, that's the tangent I already had. <laughs> but she, her response being like, I literally wrote, if I was Parker, I would be furious. And then as I finished typing that, she was like, cut off his arms and his head. I want to kill him. Could we make that happen? And then Elliot being like, I mean, yeah, I could do that. That's <laughs> so funny. I was like, he was like, yeah, I mean, I mean. And you also know. just like the cut off his arms thing is in direct response to Nate saying, now we know what he has up his sleeves. Mm-hmm. And her response is, cut off his arms. Let's just cut off his arms. Hilarious. I'm obsessed with this. I love that Elliot was really embodying that, like, you know that old meme where it's just like, what if, what if we killed him? Ha ha. I mean, unless, and it's like the side eyes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it literally gave me that energy. And I was like, I love, I adore. Like, not only And also, like, this is so significant considering Elliot's been pretty heavily, like, no killing since he joined the team. Yeah, he's very much like disarm and yeah. like. Knockout. Knockout, like, yeah. I can't think unconscious. of. Unconscious. What's the word I'm looking for? Disarm and. I keep thinking deactivate, but that's definitely not the right word. But. <laughs> Uh, it's whatever word we used when yeah. we were talking about Folsom Prison Blues and Dean. But basically, yeah. he's like... Incapacitate. Incapacitate. I can't believe that that worked. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't thinking... I just not to get me. I was like, disarm. Yes, disarm like, and yeah. incapacitate, but not kill. Yeah. And not, like, permanently maim either. No. Like, it's all recoverable injuries. But... A little bit of severe head trauma. Like... Yeah. yeah what's a concussion between enemies? But Absolutely nothing. But to be fair, we're not watching Supernatural. So. Exactly. So, anyway, yeah, like, having him immediately be like, oh, yeah, I'd kill this man for you. So, not only is it a really fun reminder that, like, oh, yeah, these people are not actually morally, like, good Correct. necessarily, <laughs> but it is also just, like, such a fun little way of him being like, I can't believe, like, he upset you. I'll literally kill him. And it's not even like a, haha, I'll kill him. It's like a, no, do you want him disappeared? I could do that. I could make that happen. I know people. I will put my hair in a ponytail and I will get this shit done for you, my friend, who he hurt. And I'm like, aw, found family. Like, he's literally threatening murder. And I'm like, aw, that's so sweet of you. <laughs> like, I, it was just a, a beautiful little moment. And like, his little smile at her while she's still like crying on the floor. I'm like, aw, this is just... What a wholesome vibe, you know? What's friendship without a little promised matter? Absolutely nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I just keep going on tangents. No, I... that's okay. I just, I am itching to talk about Parker in this episode. So. Go nuts. I know she's your little blobo. She's my little Please. blobo. And I've been, I've been like, I've been so good. I've been like holding it in. I've been like. Absolutely blobo dump on me right now. Which is a sentence that would not make sense at any other point in history. <laughs> and I really hope doesn't age poorly. <laughs> Okay, um, ooh, where, where should, wherever you want. Okay, I, I, I just, I want to talk, let, let's talk about, like, just, just go from the start to the end. Okay, so, first up, the reveal that Parker has a brother who died, mm-hmm. and that she feels responsible because she taught him how to ride the bike that he was fucking Dean coded. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on this before I share mine? No, I would love to hear yours. We've talked a little bit about the concept of grief already in this episode because... I went naturally. on a tangent immediately, yeah. Naturally. We're going to talk about grief in the psychic episode, which you did not even come close to. But oh, yeah. <laughs> I... Look. I... Yeah. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I'm glad I was wrong. This yeah. is much better than anything mm-hmm. I predicted last week, so... So we get... 
we get the sense that Parker is still drowning in her grief. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact it's been probably like 20 odd years at this point because she is late 20s to 30s, sort of like mid to she's. Yeah. So, and like you you have to imagine this is before she blew up the house. Mm-hmm. So, like she would have been young yeah. when her younger brother passed away. Passed away. And you get the sense that she's still drowning in her grief from that. And she still feels this immense guilt to the point where she literally says, I, and I took down the quote because it, it is so telling. She says, how did he know that? I've never told anyone, no one, never. Mm-hmm. Which for me is just like, if she's never told anyone, and this happened when she was presumably like maybe six, seven, eight years old. Yeah, I, I might... Uh- I would have assumed that she was a little older than that because she has to have been old enough to have taught the younger brother to ride a bike. Mm. And I would assume she would have to be like at least eight because like most kids aren't learning to properly ride a bike like until they're at least in primary school. So the the younger brother would have to be five, six, seven at the youngest, which would then make her feasibly eight, nine, ten. Yeah. But we also know that when she's like nine, ten, she blows up. Yeah. Um, but it also maybe we obviously we don't get confirmation of this, but it does maybe put into context blowing up the house because if her younger brother has just died and then her foster parents are taking that out on her because they also view her as responsible. I had a thought about this, which is slightly different to your yeah. thought, but along the same lines. So one thing that I know can happen in instances like this where a a child dies and we actually have another example of this in Nate and Maggie yes is that the associated partnership of the parents there is a high statistic that it will either be very negatively impacted or it will just fail and this is obviously not in every case but I I am aware that that is something that is common in families where a a loss of a child has occurred is it can have a detrimental effect on the the marriage or the relationship, assuming the parents are still together at the time of the loss. And so if her foster parents had that happen, where like not only has she just lost her brother, not only is she internalising the guilt of that and blaming herself for that, but also the two people who she is supposed to be able to go to for comfort are unreachable and also causing a negative environment in the house where she is supposed to feel safe, where I'm pretty sure we can already assume wasn't a great environment to begin with, but now is even more so. Like, I just, yeah. Like, obviously, not quite the same train of thought, but, like, along that similar... But it's like, this could have been, uh, like, the death of her brother could have been... The thing a that... A catalyst. A catalyst that led to all of these things, that led to her blowing up the house and running away when she was, like, 9, 10. Pre-pubescent. pre yeah. Like, so... And it would also make sense why she was so fixated on the stuffed animal toy. Yeah. Even if she was a bit older. What if it was her brother's? Like, what if it wasn't we, her toy? We... I, I think it's pretty safe to say we don't get any more context around this. We don't get any more, like... That's never going to be confirmed or denied. It is possible. It is very possible. In that case, it's my head cannon. Mm-hmm. But, like, if this is something that she'd been using to help deal with her guilt and her grief, and then her foster parents took that away from her. Yeah. And also that combined with the fact that it, she's pretty heavily... I, I think I'm pretty confident in saying that in my brain and in a lot of other people's brains, Parker is autistic. I would agree with 
that I think from a, a literary analysis point of view, you have a lot of evidence to back that up. So it's just like, and you add to that, like, if she's autistic and then she also can't relate to other people in the same way that everyone sort of expects you to be able to relate because mm-hmm. they're coming from a very... They have an idea of the way that you should behave when you experience that kind of loss. And yeah. if you don't behave in that way that they have preconceived, then they may draw other conclusions about your feelings and yeah. things. So if she is not outwardly expressing sadness or grief in the way that someone else assumes she's she should even though that doesn't mean she's not feeling those emotions they may you know say something that is completely insensitive like oh you don't even care that you know your brother or however whatever so we get this information and that that is all well and good but then we get the second piece of information in this episode that absolutely fucking kills me every time on the spot like no questions asked she runs back to nate's apartment Mm -hmm. it's her safe space that got me too the apartment has become where she feels safe and secure which is insane for so many reasons. Miss Parker, who only ever works alone. Later on, we'll see what her like her own private space looks like. And the contrast is stark. Yeah. The difference between her space where she works alone and the team space where she runs back to. And also remember the stalk job. If she wanted to disappear, she could have. Remember how she said, I'm scared they're going to turn out like me. I don't have words. Like, I'm just, like, I'm struggling to verbalise it, which is terrible (laughs) for for a a podcast. podcast. But, like... I get it, though. I just, like, thoughts in my brain about my blorbos. And Mm. I I was so excited for you to see this episode because, for me, it just, like, you've been saying over and over and over again... You want depth. You want nuance. You want... And I do think the second season has delivered on that. I will say that because it was my major problem with season one, but I think season two has rectified it, and I do think that's why I am enjoying season two so much more, is because they're giving us episodes like this. They're giving us depth that actually is depth, instead of just sort of alluding to depth. Um, And, yeah, this in particular, especially using this reveal of Parker's past... And then applying that to the present, particularly in an episode titled After the Future, I think is just such a fascinating and complex use of the structure of not only narratives, but also time itself. Because this is potentially something that, even though obviously it still deeply affects her, is something that she probably doesn't actively think about a lot. Like, for obvious reasons, because she she can't let herself dwell in it because it's too hard. It's too painful. It's too personally distressing, right? So for her to be functioning day to day, she just can't touch it. But to have her, like I said earlier, this is the most vulnerable we have seen Parker other than the stalk job. And And I will say I do really appreciate that they let her look like she's been crying. Like her eyes are red, they're puffy, like she genuinely looks distressed. They didn't do what a lot of TV shows do where it's like, oh, well, they've been crying for presumably a while, but they But their mascara is perfect. perfect. And so is their cat, like, winged eyeliner and whatever the fuck else. Yes, no, she looks like a human being, (laughs) which I also appreciate. And what you were saying about her running back to Nate's apartment and that being her safe space, I 100% agree with, and I do think it is so interesting because I would suggest if this same thing happened in season one, they wouldn't have found her. She would have fucked off somewhere until she was ready to come back to them. But 
in this instance, not only does she go back to where it's safe, but she goes back to where she knows these people will find her. Mm-hmm. Like, she goes somewhere that she knows that they will come back to because not only is the actual physical space her safe spot, but they are her safe spot. Like, she knows she is safe with this group of people. And that is what allows her to be vulnerable. Because you can't be vulnerable like that with people who you don't trust because it's a vulnerability. Like, you can't allow yourself to fully... Like, I mean, you can get upset in a room of people you don't know. I'm sure that happens all the time. It certainly happened to me. But it's different. Like, she allows herself... She's not trying to hold back tears. She is just letting herself be upset. And she's asking questions because she doesn't understand. But she is in a space where she knows she can answer these questions and these people are not going to judge her. They are not going to tell her, like, isn't it obvious? They are not going to make fun of her or belittle her for being conned by this guy. They are going to reassure her. They are going to explain the things that they know she missed because they care about her and they want her to understand that she shouldn't feel ashamed for having been tricked by this guy. You know, and they want her to understand that they don't think any less of her and that they're not judging her and that they still care about her and have her back, you know. And so it's not so much just about the space, like Nate's apartment, but it's about what the apartment represents. And, like, I just think it was done so well. And the only thing that bums me out a little tiny bit, like, obviously, like, I'm emotionally sad about the thing, but the only thing I wish is that we did have Sophie Like, I wish that Sophie got to be more a part of this moment. Although I will say that as much as I didn't trust Tara to start, this sequence made me trust her a lot more. The way that she responds to Parker and the way that she is just as validating and gentle with her as any of the others, that is what has solidified her for me. Like, more than anything else to this point. Because I was still kind of, like, holding on to, like, oh, you know what? I don't know if I fully trust her. But this made me be, like, you know what? I like her. And if, if they do end up swooping it around and she betrays them or whatever, I will – I at this point, I will actually be, like, damn, I did not see that coming. I – look, I sort of think of Tara – at this point in the show, I think of Tara as, like, the vodka art. <laughs> you know what I mean? Funny. Like, yeah. like in the family structure, you've got like Nate's the dad, Sophie's the mum, mm-hmm. and then like Tara's the vodka, vodka aunt. Yes, that's she's a perfect like, She's like Sophie's sister who kind of like deals with Nate because she has to, because like you know her sister's married to the fucking douchebag. Mm-hmm. But like she is like one hundred percent like, oh yeah, like this dude hurt you, like I will stab them for you. Mm-hmm. Like th- that's that's sort of like the vibe that I get from Tara, and yeah. like I love that. Like as as a vodka aunt myself. I do really love that. Like, and obviously that's not saying anything to where Tara's character goes in the future. Um, but I do, I do really love that they sort of did settle in this dynamic of, well, yeah, like she's, she's not like a mum figure because they've already got Sophie and they're not replacing Sophie. They're just, you know, yeah. and I just really love this episode. <laughs> no, okay. I see, I see why. Like this one, it's a really good episode. Just, in general, like, of media, of leverage, but particularly because I know how much you love Parker, like, I 100% see why this episode for you is, like, so specifically, like, an essential part of the leverage viewership. (laughs) Like, I I get it. I see it. And it is, it's, 
I, I said to you before we started recording, I don't have many notes on this episode that I've actually taken and written down. And that isn't an indicator of whether or not the episode was good. Like Because I, it's not about moments, it's about concepts. Yeah, it's about... There is not so many, like, one-off lines that I wanted to note down. And there is not so many particularly, like, camera angles or, like, this or that that I wanted to, like, specifically have notes on. It's more the energy of this episode and it's more the overarching assessment of Parker as a character, but also every other character's reaction to, like, gaining this new knowledge and the way that they all... Like I said, I have never seen Nate happier than when he almost hit that guy with a car. And I have to, and like Elliot driving the tow truck and like, I have to assume that all of them, they're doing the con because it's their job and they were already going to do it. But I think that they derive that much more satisfaction from it because... I was a dick to park and I so like, now we're going to fuck his shit up. Exactly. And like I said, like before, they gaslight their marks a lot, but never to this extent. And I have to assume that they're going the extra mile because of what he did to Parker. And also never with this much joy. Yeah, there's like, so much, like, exuberance from the team in this particular con. Yeah. And I have to. I have to assume. It's because they have something personally attached to it. In a different way, like, obviously, like, Elliot was extra attached in, like, the tap-out job, mm. you know, this kind of thing. But this is different. This is like, oh, you came for our girl. Yeah. And it's like the Mark made them an enemy. That. Like, mm-hmm. immediately. Like, they were already going to fuck him over. But now they're fucking him over for the sake of, like, the client, but also for the sake of their bestie. Which we haven't even talked about another Parker moment. I'm, I am all over the place that Parker gives the client the money. Am I correct in assuming she just gave them her own money? No, they found the um, bank robbery money. Okay, I wasn't sure if that, because I liked yeah. the little bit with Hardison where she was like, um, he who looks for money shall find it, especially if he's a thief or something. I was like, that's really cute. And their little, like, high five moment yeah. or whatever. No, they did find the money. That okay, is that is what's implied there. Obviously, we don't get, like... Yeah, because I couldn't decide if I thought that they actually had found the money so there or are... if Parker had just taken from her own stash. Because I was like, that, personally, I was like, knowing what you've mentioned to me before about how Parker just loves money mm-hmm. and just, like, has cash everywhere and that's, like, her thing that she likes... I would have been like, it, I was like, oh, damn, did she part with some of her money? I mean, she you did know? part with her money. She found it fair and square. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's true. I guess it was still her money yeah. that she was giving So up. there are sort of like, there are two ways you can read this scene. The first is they did find the money and then out of that money, that's what she gave them. Hmm. The second option is she paid them out of her own money and now her and Hardison are just messing with Elliot, which is yeah, also, also very possible. Fun. Yeah, that's like, why I couldn't decide which of the two I... Personally, I sort of lean more towards that they did find the money because, mm-hmm. like, you know, they're it's my poor boys. They can do anything. Yeah. Um, but it is so significant because this is the first time I think we really see Parker relate to the client. Like, this is the first time we see Parker actually have this very, like, emotional and empathetic connection with the client. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's a reason they don't invite Parker to the client meetings. There is a reason that she doesn't do, like, she doesn't do the interviews with the client at the start. Like, yeah. she doesn't... Um, It's like in the wedding job when she, like, insults the bridesmaid, like, yeah. so unnecessarily and f- kind of cruelly. Like, yeah. you know, and whether or not she sees it that way, like, there's a reason that Parker is not usually the interface. And, like, the entirety of the, um, is it the the Jura job? or the Jura number Alice, six job? Yes, with yes. Alice White. Mm-hmm. And, like, the whole purpose of, like, that episode is to, like, train Parker to be able to have, like... 
a human emotion. Like and connect with people more and be like able to casual social yeah. interaction. And like so yeah, obviously this is gonna be something that's ongoing for her character. Like it's not a new development. <laughs> no, but it is a significant moment in that development. Oh, yes. It is the first time it's and a also it's very clear and obvious that like she wasn't asked to do this. This is something that she has done because she wanted to do it, because she connected and she felt for it and she had this empathy for the client, which, like, I don't think we've ever really seen before. Like, Well, she doesn't usually interact with the no. client themselves, not in a face-to-face. In fact, I'm struggling to think of more than one other time. The only other one that's springing to mind is recently – when she tagged along when Sophie wasn't there with Nate. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe there was one instance in season one but relatively early on. The only one that I'm really thinking of is in the wedding job where she doesn't connect with the client, but she teaches the daughter how to pick locks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because she often connects with kids. Yes. Again, same, like the stalk job. Yeah. Everything comes back to the fucking stalk job. Yeah, because even the stalk job, she doesn't connect with the client. She connects with Luca. mm and she connects with all of the orphan children. Good lord, she really is Dean coded. Like, like I know she's cast coded, but she's really Dean coded too. Okay, but look, while we're between points, I do want to quickly just mention some things real quick because mm-hmm. I just I really love. I've them. got a couple of rapid fire things. Okay, if you want to trade off, love, let's trade off. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to say this. Parker's wig is very Alice from Twilight coded. Oh my god, you're so right. I did not put that together, but yes, you're one hundred percent correct. Very Alice from Twilight. Um, I also want to make a note. I feel like getting their faces put on TV, maybe not the wisest move Mm. for the team. Maybe not. Like, this is very nitpicky. Yeah. But also, guys, I feel like... I think what they're sort of banking on is not many people It's very... It's like... like, it's, a it's very, very DIY. <laughs> yeah, it's not a it's not a major network show. Like that's kind of the point. He's yeah. trying to get out of this to Did, get into yeah. like more major networks. But yeah, I will say though, I do love the graphic design. Oh my oh god, my it's so bad, and I love it. It's yeah. like the worst thing I've ever seen, but I love it. Like, mm-hmm. So it reminds me of the three day of the hunter jog and the jog and the. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> the set designers are having too much fun with this. Shit. Uh, I also love that they minorly electrocuted him. I just think that's so fun. I also love the moment where they're discussing it and, like, Hardison's like, well, he he had me rig the table with a minor electrical card. And it's like, yeah, it sells the bit. (laughs) And, like, Parker's like, I approved. And then Elliot's like... If Parker agrees, you know you're doing something (laughs) bad. Like... So funny. Also, like, it does feed into the Parker is obsessed with tasing people more. Mm, like, it does. Damn. The, the layers here. <laughs> I have a note that I don't remember what it's about. I have a feeling it's relating to something that the Mark said to Tara, where he was like, oh, it doesn't matter. Something doesn't matter. And I just wrote, uh, bro, it kind of does matter, but I don't remember what matters. I don't remember what the matter was. Was it maybe when she was taken into the... What is it sandwiched between in your note? It's sandwiched between, God, I know they tend to gaslight their marks, but this is some next level shit, and his lolly frogs, haha. Yeah, so that would be, I would say that would be in reference to the bit where he's like, oh, don't worry about Wilson, like, Wilson, Miss Noble will be taking over, like... I think, I think maybe, oh God, no, I don't think, I think it's something to do with the ethics of it. Like, I think it's like... Well, there's literally the quote, like, the Wilsons of the world. Why? Because of Wilson, the Wilsons of the world don't matter. Yeah. You I, and I, we're special. Like, 
I feel like there was something else there that I just assumed I would remember, but I clearly haven't. So I'm but, only assuming it's that because they because literally the, say they, and it's also sandwiched. But it's when they're like originally going, it, like I think it's when she's in the control room. But yeah. I don't know if that's what I was talking about. I think it's something to do with the ethics <gasps> of it. I think oh, it's like. Uh, Wilson comes up, like, in the mid-show break, and he says something along the lines of, like, wow, you're really killing it. Like, is Miss is she for real? Yes. And then he goes, who cares? They're eating it up. Yeah. Basically. Like, yeah. And I, I think it. I think my point was meant to do with the ethics of it. I can't fucking remember now. I need to take better notes. Um, I've also got a note that just says, oh, my God, with two crying emojis, and I don't know what that's about either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just need to, I need I was, to have less faith in my memory. <laughs> oh my god, too kind. Okay, so but let's just play Beth Notes Bingo. You Beth give Notes me Bingo. A, you give me a note out of context and mm-hmm. I try to guess what it's about. Right, so my note was, oh my god, too cry laughing emojis. The previous note is, oh my god, where did this kidnapping come from? And the next note is, LMAO, what if Mike was anaphylactically allergic to peanuts, Nate? What then? You've just completely, because that was not what I thought you... <laughs> I, I was like, I think, oh my god, two cry laughing for face emojis was going to be attached to... Are you attached to those overalls, Phil? <laughs> I did love Nate as Phil, actually. As far as Nate with a bad accent and a stupid hat goes, I did like Phil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that... Okay, so the kidnapping coming out of nowhere, the conversation right before that is like... Tara says, like, I only wish I could give, could have given you more. And he mm-hmm. goes, no, like, are you kidding me? Like, save it for the pay-per-view. I'm starting to rethink this whole network, mm-hmm. network deal. And she's like, well, the, the, the executives are still coming, right? And he's like, absolutely they're coming. And then he mm-hmm. gets kidnapped. Yeah. So I don't know where, oh I my God, two cry laughy face emojis is going to come from in there. I don't know why I had the laughter. I'm wondering if maybe it was something to do with the scene at the end when they're, chatting to the um the clients i've got no idea i can't remember because the only other thing i can think of is a moment that i do really particularly love in this episode and that is when Cuzon is giving the speech of me and my business partner embarked on a short-term <laughs> high return business venture but unfortunately before i was forced to spend some time in upstate new york <laughs> yeah no, look, I've got no idea what I was laughing at, but I do stand by my my point, which is when Nate is talking to the clients and she's like, you know, um, I knew it wasn't real or whatever. I just really wanted to see him again. And yeah. Nate's like, you will see him. And it'll be like in a mannerism or something. And I was like, that is so sweet. You will that's see so him reflected lovely. in your child. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, that's a really beautiful thing to say. But then he was like, it'll be like the way he spreads peanut butter on his toast. And I literally was like, okay, but Nate. What if what if Mike was anaphylactically allergic to peanuts? What if like what are you talking about? You could have said anything. Why did you go for a very common deathly allergy? I don't <laughs> like I, I stand by that. Oh, and she gives them a hug. He gives her a hug. And, and she, she reciprocates. Yes. Mm. That is significant. Yeah. That she doesn't like she do- She doesn't like pull away or like stand there. She like doesn't a- pull away, she doesn't freeze up, like she she's shocked and taken aback, but then she returns it, yep. which is like Huge for her. Huge, like, huge, like, Parker doesn't hug. Mm. And that is significant. Like, Parker is not a hugger. She is very (laughs) me-coded. I am also not a hugger. So, like... Jamie only hugs people when she's drunk. I'm not wrong. (laughs) I... That has been one time you have no supporting evidence other than one occurrence of that. And any other time that I've been drunk, I have not been a hugger. So, I was very emotional on my birthday. Okay. But Parker is not drunk here. She is returning the hug. She is not drunk. 
I don't think we ever actually see Parker drunk. She might be hugging when she's drunk. Who knows? Who knows? Um, cannons. But no, so yeah, significant, significant moment. She's hugging. Mm-hmm. Willingly. Willing, know. yeah. Kind of. Wasn't her choice, but she still... She didn't initiate, but the fact didn't... that she reciprocated is a huge thing. Yes, 100%. I also just really want to quickly mention the line, we didn't give her that scar, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. She should... What I love about that, actually, is that Tara has, like, cho- she's weaved a story that is obviously false, but she's weaved it in a way where, like, if she needed to prove that, like, she's, got she's actually evidence. used something that is a physical thing yeah. that she actually has. And can't change. Yeah. As part of the story so that it adds more credence and believability. genius. Genius. She's so good. Like, I see 100% why Sophie recommended her. Mm-hmm. Because between this and was it last week where she basically conned that guy by like literally just sitting there and eating his food? Yes. Last episode. Fucking impeccable. Uh-huh. She is so good. Mm-hmm. So good. Like I've always been impressed with Sophie, but holy hell, Tara just, she, she is knocking shit out of the park. And actually kudos to the writers for doing it this way. Because yeah. like she's, we're talking about the character, yeah. but like the people who are actually actively creating and like writing this character, fucking I love genius. that they make She's distinctly different from Sophie. Like, she yes. is not Sophie. No. They're distinctly different. They have different methods mm-hmm. in terms of, like, how they con people, in terms of, like, what sort of, like, things they use, in terms of what skills they have. She's not a copy-paste Sophie. They are not a – she's not a discount bin Sophie. Like, yes. She's more – she's more sort of, like, you know, Sophie is very, like, emotional, touchy-feely, like, I'm going – like – Sophie cons people by, like – getting them to like her. Mm-hmm. I feel like Tara cons people by getting people to either, like, respect her or fear her. Yeah. Like, either she is a threat somehow. Yeah. Like, even in the first episode with her, she was a threat to their con. Like, and so, like, they have to be, they have mm-hmm. to involve her to an extent because yeah. she's, like, constantly threatening them. Yeah. Even though she, it appears like she's not. Like, I feel like Sophie, uh, like... Sophie draws you in, whereas Tara yeah. makes you follow. Mm, like That's a really good way of putting it. Like, whereas Sophie always goes for the heart con, she's always trying to con people based on oh, like sort a, of, like, their more emotional sides. Yeah. Tara appeals more to sort of, like, the head. The, mm. Like, the... So yeah. she's sort of, like, she's going for, like, the sort of cons where, like, people think what they're doing is the best course of action. Mm. Yeah, Sophie. And we see Sophie do head cons all the time, but that's only because Nate is the one designing the con. Mm. Whenever we see Sophie sort of just running a con, she always goes for the heart. She always mm. goes for the more volatile sort of con. The- Even in the snow job, mm. I think this is a really good example, where she is playing their heads, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, they both are, but she's also flirting. Yeah. Like, she's very much, like, going for the emotional strings of, like, she's going to flirt with them and she's going to sort of, like, Mm. wiggle her way in that way. I don't think we've really seen Tara do that so much, except potentially in the bottle job Mm. where she was, like, flirting with the the guy. But even that was less sort of, like, an emotional connection and more of a, like, we could have a quick fuck before you leave sort Sort of of connection yeah Yeah, which is not the same and so i think sophie really plays on people's like emotional vulnerabilities and tara plays on their like you say like their more logical yeah sort of thought processes you know like she's playing him like 
well, we can have a little bit of fun before you leave, where Sophie would be, I don't know, not that. I don't know what she would have done, but I just don't think that. No. She would have made him fall in love with her, like, fully. Like, he would have been like, like, run away with me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> leave your life of crime and we can, yeah. Yeah, like, it's just, it's very different. And we do, we do get episodes where we see both Sophie and Tara in the same episode. So we do get to actually uh, analyse more fully. Yeah. The differences between them when we see them and we can really easily compare them because they're in similar situations and they're both. And there is one really hilarious example of this that we will get to and okay. we will discuss it more then. I look forward to That is to a it. promise. Okay. A promise and a threat. Yeah. Both, both <laughs> a promise and a threat. It's not till season five though. So Oh, God. All right. Got yeah. heaps of time. They were all my most pressing points for the day. I don't think I have anything else really to add. Like, it's probably not going to be the longest episode this week, but also, like... There wasn't a lot of plot to discuss. No. No, and, considering... And also, there was nothing really to critique. No. that's uh, We've mentioned this, I think, at least on the Supernatural podcast. Yeah. I don't know if you've mentioned it here, but typically, the episodes that we both really, really like a lot, just because they're, like... Solid episodes. We tend to have less to talk about, because neither of us are going, well, this was kind of shit. <laughs> but, yes, no, I am happy to wrap up there if you're happy to wrap up there. Anyway, thank you so much for listening today. With that, Pep. What would you rate the future job out of five? I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna give it quite a high rating. I think I'm gonna give it a four and a half. Yeah. Look, if you'd done anything less than a four stars, I would have probably stabbed you. That's look fair and valid. Or maybe just rigged up a cut table. Off my with arms. A, yeah, cut off my arms. Maybe <laughs> rigged up a table with a mild electrical current mm. to help sell the bit. Like mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. I would expect approved. nothing less from Psychic Jamie. No. So I yeah, I really love this episode. It was really really well constructed like from we didn't really talk about it but from a uh like the writing and the cohesiveness yeah. of i mean we kind of touched on it with like yeah. the whole uh the way that they showed the gaslighting and like yeah. the montage and knowing that everything she was going to say like i knew they were going to tie it in somehow like it was just so well constructed and then obviously we get the incredible emotional reveals for parker and then obviously we get all of the stuff with all the other characters surrounding her and reacting to that and like I said, like the mark this week, particularly, I don't know why, but for me, I was just, he really, really hit somewhere yeah. that I really, really hated. And I wonder if it's more, he didn't, he didn't feel so removed from general society. I wonder no. if that's it because he isn't some head honcho in a suit. Yeah. Like in the last episode we watched, which the name is escaping me for the moment, but the like. The Zanzibar marketplace job. Yes. Thank you. When like the guy who was the mark was like initially anyway was like the ceo who's like really quite removed from everything and like he was a liaison but it was like the crime was not oh i'm conning everyday people out of millions of dollars it's i staged a robbery for a fabergé egg yeah and you know and you care because he framed maggie for it which like which is horrible and fuck you mate i love maggie yeah but you know it's not it's it feels less he is not deliberately targeting specific people for the ex- explicit purpose of exploiting them. No. Like, the villains are usually pretty removed, actually, from the people that they're exploiting. Something about this guy looking directly into the face of the person he knows he is conning, knowing... Like, he is literally... And also just like... literally, if Sophie and Tara were going to use their powers for evil. Yeah. And, like, it just... You know, something about this particular villain just really got me in my core. And I just realised I did miss a note about this week's villain. And I just really want to know, did he go back and pay for the Chinese food? 
Oh yeah, what the fuck? He just like, ran out of there. I know. Like, did he go back in? Like, because if if he didn't, then like, fuck him. They should have just cut off his arms and head. Like, <laughs> yeah, like what an asshole. Anyway, I am look. My skin is like that. Is I am glad you like this episode. Your crops are watered and your skin is clear. <laughs> the next episode is called the Three Strikes Job. Mm. It is the second to last episode for the season. Oh god, I forget how short these seasons are. So, do you have any predictions for a like? Where the end of the season is heading, okay. or like the next episode specifically, or I know that you have said, and I can't remember if you said this before we started recording or not, but I know that you've mentioned that there is a lot of foreshadowing going on yes. that you're aware of, that you're pretty yeah. sure I'm not aware of. Oh, um, you've mentioned none of it. Excellent. Absolutely none of it. I, that means it's good. I would argue <laughs> that half of it isn't even really foreshadowing. It's the same stuff they do. It's in, like thematic. The- it's the same stuff that they have, like, Parker. Like, Parker in this episode, she goes, she points out, she's like, oh, like, this is where he records, around warehouses and storage lockers. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they use the fact that they're all around There's storage. a conveniently located like, storage locker. Yes. It's yeah. that sort of stuff. It's like, we've been hearing, like, little whispers about what's happening in the background, but none of it is over. Like, none of it is noticeable. It is just like, well, oh. Well, the comments on Interpol and then yeah. Sterling being, yeah. Yeah. So I have no fucking idea where the end of the season is going. Like, as much as I recognize that, like, this season feels more cohesive than the first season, in my opinion, I would say that that's a very much a character narrative yeah. that is much more cohesive. I don't think that the overarching plot, for me, at least as a first-time viewer, is any more apparent. Like, no. going into the f- end of the first season, you were like, you know, they've made a lot of references. And looking back, yeah, I, I understand how you could maybe predict it. But honestly, I feel the same going into the yeah. season finale. I'm like, I have no idea where they're going with it. But at this point, I trust that it will be good. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. In terms of next week's episode, I have to guess. Like, I, when we had the tap out job, I was like, okay, tap out. Like, I know. Wrestling. Wrestling. Boxing. I have to assume. Yeah. Like, the street three strike job. Yeah. Uh, three strikes and you're out. Like, I'm assuming it's got, like, baseball okay. or, like, yeah. softball. Like, something. Like, either that or it's some kind of, like... I don't know, this is going, like... Like, I think it's got to be competitive somehow. Yeah. I have to assume, like, either maybe, like, a game show somehow. Yeah. Like, um, like you know, if you think about, you know, American Idol or Australia's Got Talent or whatever, and there's, like, the three strikes and then you're elevated. Yeah. Or they're going to make really, really obvious and it's going to be some sort of... Wait, I feel like you told me at some point that there is an episode with Elliot and something to do with his hair and there's, like, a shot where he, like, shakes his hair out or something... And I want to say it was to do with baseball. I want to say that that's happened. I don't know if I'm creating a memory right now. <laughs> and that didn't happen. New but, false core memory. I'm <laughs> but I, I swear to God, you mentioned Elliot and baseball at some point. Have I? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it was during a recording. But at some point in the last, I don't know, however many years we've been friends, I want to say that you've talked about Elliot and baseball. And something to do with his hair, like curly hair or like a dramatic shot of his hair or something. Like maybe he takes off a hat, like a baseball hat. I'm I'm throwing my I'm throwing my I don't know what I'm trying to say. Basically I think it's gonna be baseball. Okay. So <laughs> you're Nate with a bad hat and you're throwing a your bad hat into the ring to say it's gonna be baseball. Well, I hate that you've just Nate coded me, but yeah, I guess sure. <laughs> anyway, with, with that we'll see if next week is in fact about baseball. I mean, or softball. Something where it's like the three strikes kind of mentality. Yeah. Like, oh, or bowling, maybe. Maybe it's a turkey. No, I think it's I think it's baseball. Anyway, well, thank you for listening. If you want to find us at all, we are 
all over the internet. Uh, you can find us at various social medias listed below in our link tree. Suggested conversation topics include... How heartbreaking everything that we learn about Parker inevitably becomes. I just, look, now that I'm re-watching it and watching Supernatural at the same time, I'm realising that Parker is kind of low-key decoded. Mm-hmm. So just send me, like, examples of every time Parker's decoded. Uh, I without be spoiling to... Supernatural beyond mid-season four. <laughs> without caveats. <laughs> I'll probably be to the, the end of season four by the time this comes out. Okay, so, so like, nothing from season five onward. Season five onward is, is not allowed, but... I just want to be, like, even if you just point out things to me so I can point them out to Beth as we stumble across them. I would love to see a Parker-Dean Winchester comparative gift set. Because, like, we, we know. Like, the, the cast parallels are obvious. Yes, the cast parallels are the immediate ones that, they, like, hit you in the fucking face. Yeah, they're right there. They're so easy Surface to spot. Level. So, like, if you've got any that I can point out to Beth and, like, break her brain a little, that would mm-hmm. be great. Mm. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.